order to continue. Now we are on content and structure of the ego. The egoic mind is completely conditioned by the past. Its conditioning is twofold. It consists of content and structure. In the case of a child who cries in deep suffering because his toys has been taken away, the toy represents content. It is interchangeable with any other content, any other toy or object. The content you identify with is conditioned by your environment, your upbringing and surrounding culture. Whether the child is rich or poor, whether the toy is a piece of wood shaped like an animal or a sophisticated electronic gadget makes no difference as far as the suffering caused by its loss is concerned. The reason why such acute suffering occurs is consulted in the word my and it is structural the unconscious compulsion to announce one's identity through association with an object is built into the very structure of the egoic mind one of the most basic mind structures through which the ego comes into existence is identification. The word identification is derived from the Latin word meaning same and physia which mean to make. So when I identify my myself with something I make it the same. The same as what? the same as I. I endure it with the sense of self and so it becomes part of my identity. One of the most basic level of identification is with things. My toy later becomes my car, my house, my clothes and so on. I try to find myself in things but never quite make it and end up losing myself in them that is the fate of the ego identification with things goes like this the people in the advertising industry know very well that in order to sell things that people don't really want to buy or need they must convince you Yes, <laughs> they must convince them that those things will add something important to your life or to yourself or are seen by others. <laughs> In other words, add something to their sense of self. They do this, for an example, by telling you that you will stand out from the crowd or by using this product and so by implication be more fully yourself or 
they may create an association in your mind between the product and a famous person or a beautiful, attractive or happy looking person. Even pictures of old or deceased celebrities in their prime work well for that purpose. The unspoken assumption is that by buying this product through some magical act of appropriation, you become like them, or rather the surface image of them. And so, in many cases, you are not buying a product, but an identity, an answer. Designer label are primarily collective identities that you buy into. They are expensive and therefore exclusive. If everybody could buy them, they would lose their psychological value and all you would be left with would be their material value, which likely amounts to a fraction of what you paid. What kind of things you identify with will vary from person to person according to age, gender, income, social class, fashion, the surrounding culture, and so on. What you identify with is all to do with content, whereas the unconscious compulsion to identify is structural. It is one of the most basic ways in which the egoic mind operates. Paradoxically, what keeps the so-called consumer society going is the fact that trying to find yourself through things does not work. The ego satisfaction is short life and so you keep looking for more, keep buying, keep consuming. Of course, in this physical dimension that our surface solves, habit in habit, things are a necessary and inescapable part of our lives. We need, we need our include furniture, tools, transportation. There may also be things in our lives that we value because of their beauty or inherent quality. We need to honor the world of things, not despise it. Each thing has beingness is a temporary form that has its origin within the formless one life. The source of all things, all bodies, all forms. In most ancient cultures, people believe that everything, even so-called inanimate object, had an indwelling spirit. And in this respect, they were closer to the truth than we are today. When you live in a world deadened by mental abstraction, you don't sense the aliveness of the universe anymore. 
most people don't inhabit a living reality but a conceptualized one but we cannot really honor things if we use them as a means to self-enhancement that is to say if we try to find ourselves to them this is exactly what the ego does ego identification with things creates attachment to things obsession with things which in turn creates our consumer society and economies structures where the only measure of progress is always more the unchecked striving for more for unknown's growth is a dysfunction and a disease it is the same dysfunction the cancerous cells manifest whose only goal is to multiply itself unaware that it is bringing about its own destruction by destroying the organisms of which is is a part some economists are so attached to the notion of growth that they can't let go of what of that word so they refer to recession as a time of negative growth a large part of many people life is consumed by an obsessive preoccupation with things preoccupation with things this is why one of the ills of our times is object for life fruition when you can no longer feel the life that you are you are likely to try to fill up your life with things as a spiritual practice i suggest that you investigate your relationship with the world of things through self observation and in particular things that are designate which the word with the word mind you need to be alert and honest to find out for example whether your sense of self worth is bound up with things you possess do certain things include a subtle feeling of importance or superiority does the lack of them make you feel inferior to others who have more than you do you casually mention things you own or show them off to create to increase your sense of worth in someone's lives or someone else's eyes and through them in your own do you feel resentful or angry and somehow diminished 
in your sense of self when someone else has more than you or when you lose a prized possession the last of ring the last ring when I was seeing people as a counselor and spiritual teacher I would visit a woman twice a week whose body was riddled with cancer she was a school teacher in her mid 40s and had been given no more than a few months to live by her doctor sometimes a few words were spoken during those visits but mostly we would sit together in silence and as we did she had her first glimpses of the stillness within herself that she never knew existed during her busy life as a teacher. One day, however, I arrived to find her in a state of great distress and anger. What happened? I asked. Her diamond ring of great monetary as well as sentimental value had disappeared and she said she was sure it had been stolen by the woman who came to look after her for a few hours every day she said she did not understand how anybody could be so careless and heartless as to do this to her she asked me whether she should confront the woman or whether it would be better to call the police immediately i said i could not tell her what to do but ask her to find out how important a ring or anything else was at this point in her life you don't understand she said this was my grandmother's ring i used to wear it every day until i got ill and my hands became too swollen it's more than just a ring to me how can i not be upset the quickness of her response and the anger and defensiveness in her voice were indication that she had not yet become present enough to look within and to disentangle her reaction from the event and observe them both her anger and defensiveness were signs that the ego was still speaking through her i said i am going to ask you a few questions but instead of answering them now see if you can find the answers within you i will pause briefly after each question when an answer comes it may not necessarily come in the front of in the form of words she said she was ready to listen i asked 
do you realize that you will have to let go of the ring at some point perhaps quite soon how much more time do you need before you will be ready to let go of it will you become less when you let go of it has who you are become diminished by the loss there were a few minutes of silence after the last question when she started speaking again there was a smile on her face and she seemed at peace the last question made me realize something important first i went to my mind for an answer and my mind said yes of course you have been diminished then i asked myself the question again has who i am become diminished this time i tried to feel rather than think the answer and suddenly i could feel my i amness I have never felt that before. If I can feel that I am so strongly when who I am has not been diminished at all, I can still feel it now, something peaceful but very alive. That is the joy of being. I said You can only feel it when you get out of your head. Being must be felt, it can't be thought. The ego does not know about it because thoughts is what it consists of. The ring was really in your head as a thought. that you confuse with the sense of i am you thought the i am or a part of it was in the ring whatever the ego seeks and gets attached to are substitutes for the being that it cannot fill you can value and care for things but whenever you get attached to them you will know it's the ego and you are never really attached to a things but to a thought that as that has i me or mine in it whenever you completely accept the loss you go beyond ego and who you are that i am which is consciousness itself energy emerges she said now i understand something jesus said that never made much sense to me before if someone takes your shirt let him have your coat as well that's right i said 
it does not mean you should never lock your door. All it means is that sometimes letting things go is an act of far greater power than defending or hanging on. In the last few weeks of her life, as her body became weaker, she became more and more radiant, as if light were shining through her. She gave many of her possessions away some to the woman she thought had stolen the ring. And with each thing, she gave away her joy depending when her mother called me to let me know she had passed away. She also mentioned that after her death, they found her ring in the medicine cabinet in the bathroom. Did the woman return the ring? Or had it been there all the time? Nobody will ever know. One thing we do know, life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. How do you know this is the experience you need? Because this is the experience you are having at this moment. Is it wrong being then then to be proud or one's possession or to feel resentful towards people who have more than you? Not at all. That sense of pride of needing to stand out, the apparent announcement of oneself through more than an diminishment to do through less than it's neither right nor wrong it is the ego the ego is not wrong it's just unconscious when you observe the ego in yourself you are beginning to go beyond it don't take the ego too seriously when you di- when you detect egoic behavior in yourself smile at times you may even laugh how could humanity have been taken in by this for so long above all know that the ego is not personal it is not who you are if you consider the ego to be your personal problem that's just more ego we'll be right back The illusion 
of ownership. To own something, what does it really mean? What does it really mean to make something mine? If you stand on a street in New York, point to a huge skyscraper and say, that building is mine, I own it. You are either very wealthy or you are delusional or a liar. In, in any case, you are telling a story in which the third form, I and that third form building, merge into one. That's how the mental concept of ownership works. If everybody agrees with your story, there will be signed pieces of paper to certify their agreement with it. You are wealthy. If nobody agrees with the story, they will send you to a psychiatrist. You are delusional or a compulsive liar. It is important to recognize here that the story and the thoughts form that make up the story whether people agree with it or not have absolutely nothing to do with who you are even if people agree with it it is ultimately a fiction many people don't realize until they are on the deathbed and everything external falls away that nothing ever had anything to do with who they are. In the proximity of that, the whole concept of ownership stands revealed as ultimately meaningless. In the last moment of their life, they then also realize that while they were looking to go their lives for a more complete sense of self what they were really looking for their being had actually always always been there but had been largely obscured by their identification with things which ultimately means identification with the mind. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for there will be the kingdom of heaven. What does poor in spirit mean? No inner baggage, no identification, not with things, nor with any mental concept, that have a sense of self in them. And what is the kingdom of heaven? This simple but profound joy of being that is there when you let go of identifications and so become poor in spirit. This is why renouncing all possession 
has been an ancient spiritual practice in both East and West. Renunciation of profession, possession, however, will not automatically free you of the ego. It will attempt to ensure its survival by finding something else to identify with. For example, a mental image of yourself as someone who has transcended all interest in material possession and is therefore superior is more spiritual than others. There are people who have renounced all position but have a bigger ego than some millionaires. If you take away one kind of identification, the ego will quickly find another. It ultimately does not mind what it identifies with as long as it has an an identity. Anti-consumerism or anti-private ownership would be another thought form, another mental position that can replace identification with possession. Through it, you could make yourself right and others wrong. As we shall see later, making yourself right and others wrong is one of the principal egoic mind pattern, one of the main forms of unconsciousness. In other words, the content of the ego may change the mind structure that keeps it alive does not. One of the unconscious assumptions is that by identifying with an object through the fiction of ownership, the apparent solidity and permanency of the material object will undo your sense of self with greater solidity and permanency. This applies particularly to buildings and even more so to land sense. It is the only things you think you can own that cannot be destroyed. The absurdity of owning something becomes even more apparent in the case of land. In the day of the white settlement, the Nazis of North American found ownership of land an incomprehensible concept. And so they lost it when the European made them sign pieces of paper that were equally incomprehensible to them. They felt they belonged to the land, but the land did not belong to them. 
the ego tends to equate having with being. I have therefore I am, and the more I have, the more I am. The ego lives through comparison. How you are seen by objects, by others, turns into how you see yourself. If everyone lived in a mansion or everyone was wealthy, your mansion or your wealth would no longer serve to announce your sense of self. You could then move to a simple cabin, give up your wealth, and regain an identity by being yourself and being seen as more spiritual than others. How you are seen by others become the mirror that tells you what you are like and who you are. The ego's sense of self-worth is in most cases bound up with the worth you have in the eye of others. You need others to give you a sense of self. And if you live in a culture that to a large extent equates self-worth with how much and what you have, if you cannot look through the collective delusion, you will be condemned to chasing after things for the rest of your life in the vain hope to find your words in completion of your sense of self there. How do you let go of attachment to things? Don't even try. It's impossible. Attachment to things drop away by itself when you no longer to find yourself in them. In the meantime, just be aware of your attachment to things. Sometimes you may not know that you are attached to something, which is to say identified until you lose it or there is the threat of loss. If you then become upset, anxious, and so on, it means you are attached. If you are aware that you identified with the things, then identification is no longer total. I am the awareness that is aware that there is attachment. That's the beginning of the transformation of consciousness. The ego identifies with having, but its satisfaction in having is a relatively shallow and short life one. Concealed within it remain a deep sense of this satisfaction 
of incompleteness of not enough i don't have enough yet but which the ego really mean i am not enough yet as we have seen having the concept of ownership is a fiction created by the ego to give itself solidarity and permanency and make itself stand out make itself special since you cannot find yourself through having however there is another more powerful drive underneath it that pertains to the structure of the ego the need for more which we could also call wanting no ego can last for long without the need for more therefore wanting keep the ego alive much more than having the ego wants to want more than it want to have and so the shallow satisfaction of having is always replaced by more wanting this is the psychological need for more that is to say more things to identify with it is a not addictive need not an authentic one in some cases the psychological need for more or the feeling of not enough that is so characteristic of the ego becomes transferred to the physical level and so turns into unsatisfiable hunger the sufferers of bulimia will often make themselves vomit to death so they can continue eating their mind is hungry not the body this eating disorder would be calm healed if the sufferers instead of being identified with the mind could get in touch with the body and so feel the true name of the body rather than the sedonate of the egoist mind some egos know what they want and pursue their aim with grim and worthless determination Genghis Khan telling Hitler to give just a few larger than life example the energy behind the wanting whoever creates an opportunity an opposing energy of equal intensity that in the end leads to their downfall in the meantime they make themselves and many others unhappy or in the largest than life example create hell on earth most egos 
have conflicted wants. They want different things at different times, or many not even know what they want except that they don't want what is. The present moment only is restlessness, boredom, anxiety, dissatisfaction are the result of unfulfilled wanting. Wanting is structural, so no amount of content can provide lasting fulfillment as long as that mental structure remains in place. Intense wanting that has no specific object can often be found in the still developing ego of teenagers, some of whom are in a permanent state of negativity and dissatisfaction. Oh my God. (laughs) Their physical needs for food, water, shelter, clothing, and more. Basic fun comfort could be easily made for all human on the planet where it not for the imbalance of resources created by the insane and rapacious need for more the greed of the ego it find collective expression in the economic structures of this world such as the huge corporations which are egoic entities that compare with each other for more their only blind aim is profit they pursue that aim with absolute ruthlessness nature animals people even their own employees are no more than digits on a balance sheet. Lifeless object to be used then discarded. The third form of me and mine of more than of I want, I need, I must have and of not enough. Pretty not to content but to the structure of the ego. The content is interchangeable as long as you don't recognize those thoughts form within yourself as long as they remain unconscious. You will believe in what they say. You will be condemned to acting out those unconscious thoughts condemned to seeking and not fighting because when those thoughts forms operate no possession place person or condition will ever satisfy you no content will satisfy you as long as the egoic structure remain in place no matter what you have or get you won't be happy
you will always be looking for something else that promises greater fulfillment, that promises to make your incomplete sense of self complete and fool the sense of life you feel within you. Identification with the body. Apart from observe, another basic form of identification is with my body. Firstly, the body is male or female, and so the sense of being a man or woman takes up a significant part of most people's sense of self. Gender becomes identity. Identification with gender is encouraged at an early age and it forces you into a role into condition patterns of behavior that affect all aspects of your life, not just sexuality. It is a role many people become completely trapped in even more so in some of the traditional societies than in Western culture where identification with gender is beginning to lessen somewhat. In some traditional cultures, the worst fate a woman can have is to be unwed or barren and for a man to lack sexual potency and not be able to produce children. Life's fulfillment is perceived to be fulfillment of one's gender identity. In the worst, it is this physical appearance of the body that contributes greatly to the sense of who you think you are, its strength or weakness, its perceived beauty or ugliness, relative to others. For many people, their sense of self-worth is intimately bound up with their physical strength, good look, fineness, and external appearance. Many feel a diminished sense of self-worth because they perceive the body as ugly or imperfect. In some cases, the mental image or concept of my body is a complete distortion, distortion of reality. As young women, many shrink of herself as overweight and therefore starve herself when it fact when in fact she is quite thin she cannot see her body anymore all she sees is the mental concept of her body which says I am fat or I will become fat at the roots of this condition lies identification with the mind. 
as people have become more and more minds identified which is the intensification of egoic dysfunctions there has also been a dramatic increase in the incidence of anorexia in recent decades if the sufferer could look at her body without the interfering judgments of a mind or even recognize those judgments for what they are instead of believing in them or better still if she could feel her body from within this will initiate her healing those who are identified with the good looks physically strength or abilities experience suffering when those attributes begin to fade and disappear as of course there will their very identity that was based on them in them threatened with collapse in either case ugly or beautiful people derived a significant part of their identity be it negative or positive from their body to be more precise precise they derive their identity from their I thought that they erroneously attached to the mental image or concept of their body, which after all is no more than a physical form that shares the destiny of all forms, impermanence and ultimately decay equating the physical sense perceived body that is destined to grow old whether and die with i always lead to suffering sooner or later to refrain from identifying with the body does not mean that you neglect despise or no longer care for it if it is strong beautiful or vigorous you can enjoy and appreciate those attributes while they last you can also improve the body's condition through right nutrition and exercise if you don't equate the body with who you are when beauty fades vigor diminishes or the body become incapacitated this will not affect your sense of worth or identity in any way in fact as the body begins to weaken the formless dimension the light of consciousness 
can shine more easily through the fading form. It is not just people with good or near perfect body who are likely to equate it with who they are. You can just as easily identify with a problem, a problematic body and make the body imperfection, illness or disability into your identity. You may then think and speak of yourself as a sufferer. This or that chronic illness or disability, you receive great deal of attention from doctors and others who constantly confirm to you your conceptual identity as a sufferer or a patient. You then unconsciously cleanse to the illness because it has become the most important part of who you perceive yourself to be. It has become another thought form with which the ego can identify. Once the ego has found an identity, it does not want to let go. Amazingly, but not infrequently, the ego in search of a stronger identity can and does create illness in order to strengthen itself to them. Although body identification is one of the most basic forms of ego, the good news is that it is also the one that you can most easily go beyond. This is done not by trying to convince yourself that you are not your body, but by shifting your attention from the external form of your body and from thoughts about your body, beautiful, ugly, strong, weak, too far, too thin, to the feeling of aliveness inside it. No matter what your body's appearance is on the outer level, beyond the outer form, it is an an intensely alive energy field. If you are not familiar with inner body awareness, close your eyes for a moment and find out if there is life inside your hands. Don't ask your mind. It will say, I can't feel anything. Probably it will also say, give me something more interesting to think about. So, instead of asking your mind, go to the hands directly. By this I mean, become aware of the subtle feeling of aliveness inside them. It is there. You just have to go there with your attention to notice it. You may get a slight tingling sensation at first, then a feeling of energy or aliveness. If you hold your attention 
in your hands for a while. The sense of aliveness will intensify. Some people won't even have to close their eyes. They will be able to feel their inner hands at the same time as they release. Then go to your feet. Keep your attention there for a minute or so. And begin to feel your hand and feet at the same time. Then incorporate other parts of the body legs, arms, abdomen, chest, and so on into that feeling until you are aware of the inner body as a global sense of aliveness. What I call the inner body is not really the body anymore, but life energy. The bridge between form and formlessness make it a habit to feel the inner body as often as you can. After a while, you won't need to close your eyes anymore to feel it. For example, see if you can feel the inner body whenever you listen to someone. It almost seems like a paradox when you are in touch with the inner body. You are not identified with your body anymore, nor are you identified with your mind. This is to say you are no longer identified with form, but moving away from form identification towards formlessness, which we may also call being. It is your essence identity. Body awareness not only anchors you in the present moment, it is a doorway out of the prison that is the ego. It is also strengthening the immune system and the body ability to heal itself. We'll be right back. Hey.